and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Sideshow. You are my favorite new playmate. I love the fun you provide. A song and a laugh are better by half when I'm by your side happy to be your companion glad that i qualified i feel as grand as the canyon when i'm by your side people stop dead when they've seen us How are we doing? I hope this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. Hey, we are no longer on Twitter. That's a big announcement. Sayonara forever, Twitter. Oh, see, I wouldn't want to be a. Our link tree and all future updates can be found at patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. And if you were randomly following my movie review feed on Twitter, hey, I'm on Letterboxd under the name John Pernasek. J-O-N-P-E-R-N-I-S-E-K. Find me. This episode is being released at the top of August. Yes, Patty's baby turns four this month in August. Uh, I, I mean, pretty soon. Uh, me calling the baby a baby is not going to make any sense at a certain point, but for now, we like to think of the baby as uh, still very much a baby. Four years old. That's a baby, right? I'm so excited. Oh, the birthday celebrations. I think I am going to fly back into Chicago specifically so I can help celebrate this baby's fourth birthday. You are the baby, and it's your birthday. Patty, can I sing that song? <laughs> no? Well, selfish. <laughs> That's all I have to say in this opening segment. Let's dive right into the show facts regarding side show. Oh, show me the side show, show facts. Show me. All right, we will. Let's do it. Side show is based on the lives of Daisy and Violet Hilton, identical twins who were born conjoined at the pelvis on February 5th, 1908. As toddlers in Brighton, England, Daisy and Violet were effectively sold by their mother to the Hilton family, an abusive pack of grifters who turned the girls into a successful touring act. Daisy and Violet spent their childhoods performing in Britain, Germany, and Australia, appearing with the likes of Charlie Chaplin and Bob Hope. They never saw a dime for their efforts. Did I mention Daisy, Violet, and Bob Hope were officially billed as the dance The dance That's one word, dance At the behest of Harry Houdini himself, the twins pursued and obtained legal emancipation from the Hiltons in 1931 and were awarded $100,000 in damages. That's just over $2 million in modern U.S. currency for those who may be reaching for their calculators, put it down. 
I just told you what it is. Shortly after their emancipation, Daisy and Violet appeared in Freaks, the infamous 1932 film directed by Todd Browning. If you've never seen Freaks, oh, I would advise you to track it down. Criterion is releasing a new edition this October. Ah, Google Gobble, one of us. Daisy and Violet also starred in the film Chained for Life, a 1952 box office flop that sold their story as a sleazy melodrama. Per the film's trailer, quote, Here is the strangest of love stories, the strangest marriage the law has ever permitted, and the strangest of all bridal nights. Murder, murder that baffled justice, a case that has no precedence in the courts, because until death, they are chained for life, quote. For Violet and Daisy, the road to romance was winding and rocky, Violet's relationship with musician Maurice Lambert ended after they were denied a marriage license in 21 states. She would go on to marry James Moore, an actor who happened to be gay. That union was annulled after 10 years. Daisy married Harold Estep, a dancer who happened to be gay. Their union was annulled after 10 days. For sideshow's purposes, all of these men were combined to form a pair of non-gay love interests. The musical would have us believe they are not gay, at least. In 1961, Daisy and Violet were robbed and abandoned by their tour manager after a performance in Charlotte, North Carolina. They applied for a job at a local grocery store, making it clear to the owner they were willing to accept one salary, but the owner not only gave them two full salaries, he designed a special cashier station that prevented anyone from noticing they were conjoined. Any unwanted attention, that was no longer an issue. He also helped Daisy and Violet buy a small house where they lived in relative peace and comfort. The twins died in 1969, victims of a global pandemic commonly known as the Hong Kong flu. Daisy was the first to pass, according to the autopsy. Violet never called for help and died two to four days later. Despite the fortune awarded to them back in 1931, the sisters had reached a point where they couldn't afford their own burial plot, and so they arranged to be buried alongside Troy Thompson, a Vietnam veteran. Sideshow was not the first attempt at turning Daisy and Violet's story into a musical. That honor goes to the unfortunately titled 20 Finger 20 Toes, which featured a book by Michael Donsicker and Bob Negro, and music and lyrics by Michael Donsicker. The show, which premiered at the WPA Theater in uh, 1989, yes, and ran for 35 performances, inserts a whole to-do about Daisy and Violet being surgically separated as adults. The more you look into these adaptations, the more it becomes clear how no one put much stock in the lives of these women. We're always adding something to the recipe, a grisly murder, salacious love triangles, bloody surgeries, it's dispiriting. Yes, I'd like one ticket for 20 fingers, 20 toes, please, said no one. Woof. I suppose it goes without saying, but the score for 20 fingers, 20 toes has not been preserved in any form. Sideshow was a 1998 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on October 16th, 1997 at the Richard Rogers Theater and ran for 91 performances. The book was written by Bill Russell. The music by Henry Krieger, who wrote the music for Dreamgirl 
Girls and the Tap Dance Kid. The lyrics were also provided by Bill Russell, who wrote Elegies for Angels, Punks, and Raging Queens, if you're familiar with that piece. The director of the original Broadway production, Robert Longbottom. Musical director, David Chase. Orchestrations, Harold Wheeler. Choreographer, Robert Longbottom. Ha, hello again, Robert. Scenic design, Robin Wagner. Lighting design, Brian McDevitt. Sound design, Tom Clark. Costume design, Greg Barnes. The original Broadway cast of Sideshow was as follows. We begin with Ken Jennings, who has also appeared in Urinetown, Grand Hotel, and Sweeney Todd. I pulled the credits that applied directly to the podcast. These are shows that we have already discussed or will discuss in the future. So here's another example. Norm Lewis is in this show. He has been in Dreamgirls, Once on this Island, Les Miserables, Amour, The Wild Party, Chicago, The Who's Tommy, Miss Saigon, and The Phantom of the Opera. We love Norm Lewis here on this podcast. You should know that by now. Jeff McCarthy, you're in this show. You were also in your in town, Chicago, Beauty and the Beast, and Zorba. Alice Ripley, noted creep, lest we forgot. Ding, 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 creep alert. You've been in American Psycho, Next to Normal, James Joyce is the Dead, Sunset Boulevard, The Who's Tommy and Les Miserables, Emily Skinner, you, oh, you were just in New York, New York, oh, ugh, we hardly knew ye, rest in peace, New York, New York, but also Billy Elliot, The Musical, The Full Monty, James Joyce is the Dead, and Jekyll and Hyde, hey, trivia, Emily Skinner shares her last name with Daisy and Violet's biological mother, Kate Skinner, is that a coincidence? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> We also have in this cast Barry Finkel, Andy Gale, Billy Hartung. Hey, Billy, congratulations on the Broadway debut. Emily Hsu, Alicia Irving, Devanad in Jonky, Judy Malloy, Broadway debut. Congrats, Judy. David Masonheimer, David McDonald, Philip Officer. Hey, Broadway debut for you as well, Philip. Congratulations. Hugh Panaro, Verna Pierce, Jim T. Ruffin, Jenny Lynn Suckling, Susan Taylor, Timothy War, Warman, Timothy Warman. Hello. And Darlene Wilson. The production was nominated for the following Tony Awards. Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Bill Russell. Best Original Musical Score, Bill Russell and Henry Krieger. And, oh, here we go, a joint nomination for Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley for Best Actress in a Musical. The first and only nomination of its kind. My God, so four nominations, but unfortunately, nobody took home any medallions, no awards at the end of the night. Let's talk about the plot of Sideshow. We begin at the sideshow, which is led by, ooh, a character known as the boss. He says, welcome to the sideshow. Ha ha ha. Ooh, yeah, we've got freaks. We've got a bearded lady and a lizard man. Check out our beautiful singing twins, Violet and Daisy. They're conjoined. They sing. La la la. So there's this musician who goes to the sideshow. His name is Buddy Foster, and he brings his friend, Terry Connor, to the sideshow. Terry Connor is a talent scout for the Orpheum circuit, I believe, and Buddy says to Terry, come on, you gotta go to the sideshow with me. You gotta see these singing twins. They're amazing. So the, they see the show, and then they crash a birthday party for Daisy and Violet. They walk right into it, so rude, and Terry begins to interview them. He says, hey, what are your dreams? What do you want? And Violet Violet very succinctly says, me? Uh, I'm Violet. Well, I'm a very domestic, shy individual. Uh, all I want is a small, simple life. 
with a husband. I want a life where I am a wife, yes. And Daisy says, well, that is not what I want at all. I want to be famous. My sister does not want to be noticed, but I do. I want to be a star, fame, a fortune. She also sort of vaguely wants to destroy anyone who's ever made fun of them. She has a mean streak, that Daisy. And Terry says, well, you know, I can give you, I can give you the second dream. I can make you famous. So how about we do that? The boss says, how about we don't do that? He refuses to let Daisy and Violet go. No way over my dead body and such. I run this sideshow, not you. All right, so there's a guy who works at the sideshow. I believe he plays a, a, he does a freak act known as the Cannibal King, and this guy's name is Jake. Jake has known Daisy and Violet for years and years. He begs them to stay. He says, do not go with Buddy and Terry. Stay here in the confines of the sideshow. And so, so there's a debate going on. Will they? Won't they? Uh, so what are we going to do in the meantime? This decision is pending. Buddy decides that he is going to take Daisy and Violet aside and rehearse with them in secret. I shall teach them a song away from the prying eyes of the boss. And Terry is there, of course. He watches the rehearsals. And romance is in the air. There's some chemistry. Yeah, chemistry uh, transferring between the men and the women. Daisy and Violet eventually, they, they complete their rehearsal process. And they perform outside of the context of the sideshow for the first time to great acclaim. The crowd loves them. The boss hates them. How dare you step away from the sideshow and perform without me? Where's my cut. And that's when Jake and the other sideshow attractions stand up for Daisy and Violet. They say, if you do not let Daisy and Violet go, we will all quit. And so the boss says, well, uh, well, there's no sideshow without, uh, freaks. So, okay, fine. You stay, you two ladies go, whatever. And then Jake decides that he is going to join Daisy, Violet, Buddy, and Terry on the road. He will be essentially their roadie. He's going to deal with the costumes and the sets and such. A gaggle of reporters are invited to the twins' next performance, which is another roaring success, and the reporters ask a lot of invasive questions. They notice that Terry and Buddy are, are giving Daisy and Violet a lot of kisses. Ooh, we're kissing you, Daisy and Violet. Ooh, we're kissing you. Yummy, yummy. And the reporters say, uh, I'm sorry, are you guys getting yummy with the conjoined twins? And Terry and Buddy, they balk. They they say, uh, yummy, yummy? Us? No, no, yummy, yummy. No, no, yummy. And Daisy and Violet are very sad about that because they thought romance was in the air. They thought there was chemistry. Yeah, chemistry. Maybe no chemistry? End of Act 1. Beginning of Act 2. Time has passed. Daisy and Violet have never been bigger. They're in the follies for crying out loud. How much bigger can you get? Daisy is over the moon. She says, oh, stardom. This is what I always wanted. And Violet is sad. She says, when will I ever find a husband? Oh, why doesn't Buddy want to be my husband? Oh, but wait, hold on. Just hold on a second. Buddy proposes to Violet at a New Year's Eve party. Oh, I love you, Violet. Marry me. Terry longs to be alone with Daisy. He has fallen in love with Daisy. He wants to have sex with her. But, you know, it's complicated.
complicated with the whole conjoined thing. Buddy and Violet announce their engagement during a performance. Hey, this is a, a big publicity event. It's a big publicity stunt, essentially, but hey, you know, it's rooted in real love, right? Oh, oh no. Daisy starts to wonder, hey, how the fuck is this gonna work? My sister Violet is going to marry Buddy, but how are we going to uh, the bridal night? We're focusing on the question of the bridal night, and Buddy, for, for his... <laughs> You know, on his end, he's panicking as well because he's probably gay. He's thinking, how the fuck is this going to work? I'm actually going to have to follow through on this. Jake declares his love for Violet, making this even more complicated. Marry me, he says to Violet. Don't marry Buddy. I've known you for years. Please, please. And Violet says, you know, no, because this character is typically played by a black actor, and we're implying that, you know, an interracial marriage would, ah, uh, you know, that would come with a lot of attention, and as I have established, I want a small, quiet life where I do not have to worry about people looking at me. So no, Jake, no. The wedding is set to take place at the 1936 Texas Centennial Exposition. Terry and Daisy, well, in the lead up to the big wedding day, they decide to have a semi-private tete-a-tete in the Tunnel of Love. So Buddy and Violet are on one side of the Tunnel of Love boat, and they're canoodling, and Terry and Daisy are on the other side of the boat, canoodling. You know, it doesn't go really well. <laughs> It's very strange, and everybody is kind of put off by the whole experience. It's the wedding day. Uh-oh, let's cut right to that. Everyone's buzzing, buzz, buzz, buzz. And Jake, oh, he's angry. He says, I cannot watch this. I put myself out there, and I was rejected, and so I quit the act. I'm leaving. And Buddy says, well, hey, here's something funny. I have my doubts. I have such doubts, sister, about this wedding. I don't know if I can go through with it. And then Daisy, she speaks up. She says, what about a double wedding, maybe? We could get a movie contract. Terry, marry me. Ah, a double wedding. And Terry says, no. He says, I don't, I don't know how to do this anymore. I'm panicking. I gotta go. And Daisy says, fine, get the fuck out of here. I never wanted you anyway. That's not true. She really did want to marry him, but he's a fucking chicken shit. Daisy encourages Buddy and Violet to follow through on the wedding. Yes, I don't have a man anymore, but we will figure this out. You two do love each other, right? Buddy says yes, and Violet says yes, and so the marriage, it proceeds, and the show ends with Daisy and Violet reaffirming their love and commitment for, uh, to each other, to each other, sisters are doing it for themselves. The end. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 1997 original Broadway cast album of Sideshow. I then watched the 1998 Tony Awards performance of I Will Never Leave You, which is introduced by host Rosie O'Donnell. And if I may quote her directly, this is her introduction. Well, it's not... <laughs> she does give Sideshow a proper introduction, but as we come back from commercials, she has a little joke for us. She says, quote, In light of Hallmark's successful sponsorship of the Tony-nominated revival of The Sound of Music, several other companies have announced their projects for next season. Clearasil brings you the Scarlet Pimple. Polygrip presents A View from the Bridge. And Tampax brings you Ragtime. Quote, I swear to God, listeners, I have never in my life 
seen a crowd collectively fall on its ass in rapturous laughter and glee. I have never seen such an explosive reaction. They are ripping their clothes off. They are tearing their hair out. They cannot stop laughing to a point where the proper introduction for Sideshow is completely drowned out by the laughter from that joke, which is not even, okay, while transcribing that joke, I just want to say, I found I had to goose the wording a little bit because the original delivery by Rosie is just, I think she is leaving out a few words. Don't get me wrong, Rosie lands the joke. She's going too fast for anyone to really notice in the moment. But if you pay attention, and if you play it 14 different times for the purposes of transcribing it, it becomes clear that something is getting lost in translation. We all know how I feel about Rosie's corny cornball hosting of the Tony Awards. Let's move on. I listened to the 2014 Broadway revival cast album of Sideshow. The revival's director, famed, uh, famed, sure, famed Hollywood director Bill Condon, wrote additional book scenes in which Daisy and Violet reflect on their childhood while considering separation in adulthood. Yep, it's the old 20 fingers, 20 toes routine all over again, but I have to admit, this wrinkle goes a long way toward raising the stakes in Act 2. The conflict that arises between love-starved women and the emotionally impotent men they adore can only take you so far, you know? You know? There were also several revisions, additions, and cuts made to the score, some of which we'll discuss in time, but in general, I would say the new material is worth investigating. Harry Houdini sings about dissociation techniques. It gets so weird. <laughs> And as long as we're handing out compliments, I have to hand it to David Chase, whose orchestrations allow Sideshow to fully embrace its period setting. Harold Wheeler's original orchestrations relied on uh, gimmicks, anachronistic rock guitar licks, for example, to a surprising degree. It does not work. Another piece of praise, I like how the revival concludes on the set of Todd Browning's Freaks. The show implies Daisy and Violet would go on to become major movie stars, which they most definitely did not, not in real life, but it's nice to know this version of Daisy and Violet kept moving forward despite their romantic setbacks. And then finally, I listened to the 2015 concert album, Added Attractions, Live at 54 Below. I suppose the full title is Sideshow, Added Attractions, Live at 54 Below. That's a little long. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in our ephemeris segment. I pulled one track from that, and we will put that in that segment. But for now, we gotta focus on the sideshow score, yes? Let's start with the opening number, Come Look at the Freaks. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, right this way. There is no wait, we don't waste your time. So little to pay, just one thin dime. Admission to my auditorium. Never have you seen a comparable emporium of wonders under one tent. Your time could not be better spent. Come see our curious gal, the bearded lady. See a man turned into a reptile as punishment for his sins. Come hear the haunting song of the Siamese twins. Come see our elegant geek, refined but deadly. Chicken necks, delight his incisors. 
their heads decorate the mud. His favorite cocktail drink, it's warm chicken blood. From the barren desert of the heathen camel trade, for our gentlemen friends, the Seraglio of a Hashemite sheik. His harem was freed, and we have found it's quite unique. For these girls are virgins still. Had I arrived but an hour late, that old sheik would have had his Anyone was wondering, Ken Jennings, who plays the boss in this week's subject, played Hot Blades Harry in Urinetown. Anyone who's a fan of Urinetown would likely recognize those ravenous coyote chops in an instant. I have no idea what he's saying on this track half the time. I'm too busy prioritizing the salty flavor of those chops. Does Ken Jennings also sound like Josh Gad? Whenever Sideshow requires him to sustain a note, we, oui, yes. I half expect him to advertise a magic foot. Magic foot! Magic foot! Side note, if you recognize Jeff McCarthy in the role of Terry, it's because he played Officer Lockstock in Urinetown. Hey, do you think Ken and Jeff recognized each other when they were reunited? Did they hug each other? Did they kiss? Yummy, yummy. Come Look at the Freaks is the sort of full-throated, emotionally naked, and downright stupefying opening number a man like Frank Wildhorn would love. We are snapping our jaws at the audience and alienating a solid third of them in the process, but our foot is on the gas and there's no flinching in NASCAR. Let's double down. More than anything, this sequence reminded me of Facade from Jekyll and Hyde. If you live around here, you need cash in the bank, cause the houses round here are all flash and swank, and the front bit, ha! That's what's called a facade. Boy, howdy, if you could put that sort of lyrical stupidity in a bottle, I would chug it. No chaser required. A model of propriety, sobriety, and piety who's never even heard of notoriety. Bill Russell wishes he could write like Wildhorn and Leslie Percuse. P.S. A reprise of Freaks that serves as the show's finale includes the following lines. Quote, Come and give them a strong ovation, an acclamation, but no critiques. Quote, that's how I feel about this podcast, frankly. No critiques. Nah, only acclamations and ovations, if you please. What are your dreams? What are you longing for? I want to be like everyone else, so no one will point and stare. To walk down the street not attracting attention No notice, no mention, no hint of despair A normal reaction, a standard response The same as everyone wants I want to be like everyone else But richer and more acclaimed Worshipped and celebrated those who've laughed, feeling ashamed. 
else told me everything I needed to know about Sideshow and what the writing had in store for me, but at this early stage I was still willing to give lyricist Bill Russell the benefit of the doubt. Painting in broad strokes is a perfectly legitimate way to paint. For heaven's sakes, I'm an avid fan of Frank Wildhorn's The Scarlet Pimpernel, one of the broadest, most heart-on-your-sleeve musicals in the canon. Go ahead and thumb your nose at subtlety, especially if you have top-shelf singers like Ripley and Skinner at center stage. Those two go for broke here and never blink in the face of incredulity, and when I recognize that level of commitment, I can usually be expected to hop aboard, but... Again, in my experience, the seeds of doubt were definitely planted in this number. I couldn't believe that initial line from Terry, What are your dreams? What are you longing for? I mean, sure, that's one way of hauling information out into the open. In fact, why not prompt every I Want song with those questions? Hey, fucko, what is it you want exactly? And remember, be specific. Daisy and Violet are not one to shy away from a direct question, of course. They unpack all of their baggage. They put in the time. They let their answers walk around the space and take a few deep breaths. But don't worry if anyone's confused. They make it simple for you in the back half of the number. Quote, she wants stability. She would like fame. Quote, uh, believe me, girls, nothing could be more clear, but thank you for the TLDR. Fair warning, I have a lot of notes regarding the lyrics of Sideshow, but I've developed a faint affection for Krieger's music. Like everyone else is a sweet and disarming piece, even if Bill's pesky words occasionally get in the way. Bill, Billy! I'm not gonna tell you, you're making a mistake. Tell you not to go, no I won't. I'll only say what I've learned along my way. The devil you know beats the devil you don't. We don't work in the best of situations. We don't live very well. We don't live in the neighborhood of heaven. We live somewhere closer to hell. Now we have learned to work around the situation. Learn to hide till the heat has passed. You will learn a promise of salvation can last another inferno's blast. The devil you know beats the devil you don't. The promised land could turn out to be dry 
that you're gone, you might ask yourselves why. Maybe you will, or maybe you won't, but the devil you know beats the devil you don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let us be forever thankful for Norm Lewis, a consummate professional capable of lending any number, even one as daft as the devil you know, a base level of dignity. The lyrics are sophomoric, and the guitar legs would make Carlos Santana nauseous, but Norm is here, damn it, and he is putting in the work. But seriously, folks, those lyrics, quote, We don't work in the best of situations. We don't live very well. We don't live in the neighborhood of heaven. We live somewhere closer to hell. Quote, Bill, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna need you to do another pass on this. The payoffs for your setups do not have to be so mind-numbing and obvious. Heaven and Hell? That's the first idea, my dude. Dig deeper. Try this. We don't work in the best of situations. We don't live very well. We don't live in the neighborhood of heaven. From God's grace is where we fell. That's actually... That, that's, that's actually really good. Wow. Uh, good on me. Sh should, 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 should I? Be writing for Broadway? My phone is always on. So, as stated earlier, Norm's presence goes a long way toward making the devil you know seem more substantial than it is, but when the fortune teller steps into the spotlight, that's when the roof caves in. Can we hear the fortune teller solo? How can you criticize an angel promising more heaven than they've ever had? I'm a fortune teller, I can see the future, never recovers from this moment. The vocal arrangements become chaotic as everyone in the company competes for space. And it was then I realized, right, yeah, Sideshow should have never been nominated for Best Musical. Good on them for signing talent like Skinner, Ripley, and Lewis, but from a writing standpoint, this is amateur hour personified. Don't make actors scream for their supper. It's embarrassing. Terry, how about a good luck kiss? Well deserved. Break a leg. Have fun. I always have fun when you're around. Likewise. You're a good time, girl. You are shameless, a shameless flirt. Showing some interest couldn't hurt. Some, you show the maximum. And you prefer I act like you. Afraid to show interest, afraid it's taboo. How will your buddy ever have a clue? 
same, but he's shy. So am I. I despise the way you advertise. I hate your coy little act. Is that a fact? Leave me alone. This is none of your business. You don't need to judge or offer advice. You're not my mother. You're not my warden. Don't need a strict chaperone. Why don't you leave me alone? Alone. I am trying to help you. Your blatant behavior embarrasses me. If you could see you from my perspective, you wouldn't like what you were shown. No, I won't leave you alone. Bill Russell, babe, we have to talk about your, what's that? Oh, yes, lyrics, your lyrics for Leave Me Alone. I never meant to turn you into a punching bag, belly belly, but here I am wearing the gloves. Violet says in Leave Me Alone, she sings, You are shameless, a shameless flirt. Daisy replies, showing some interest couldn't hurt. And Violet responds with, Some, you show the maximum. Her response to showing some interest couldn't hurt is some, you show the maximum. <laughs> Were these lyrics translated into English from an entirely different language? Some, you show the maximum is neither poetic nor conversational. It is a third thing, weird. The 2014 Broadway revival wisely chose to punch up this exchange. Violet sings, you are shameless, a shameless flirt. Daisy sings, you are a boring introvert. Violet sings, well, I'm not a Jezebel. It ain't worthy of Sondheim, but at least our heroines no longer sound like bickering pod people. You have shown the maximum level of interest. Exterminate. Ripley and Skinner continue to belt for their ever-loving lives throughout this number, striking the lone drum they've been handed from every conceivable angle in an attempt to draw complexity out of simplicity. Their joint nomination is not in contention, but the show they served does not make a case for itself when it comes to awards. I'm saying it again. Like a fish plucked from the ocean, tossed into a foreign stream. Always knew that I was different, often fled into a dream. I ignored the raging currents. Right against the tide I swam But I floated with the question Who will love me as I am? Like an odd exotic creature On display inside a zoo Hearing children asking questions Makes me ask some questions too
theater in college, nearly everyone I met in the theater department was obsessed with Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner in Sideshow. They admired these women as powerhouse divas, but somewhere along the line, the value of their combined belt was prioritized over all else. Any singer who could drop a volume bomb on their audience was automatically viewed as a Rhodes Scholar-level performer. No one stopped to consider that you also have to, you know, act. Loud is not really an acting choice in and of itself. Typically, it's a distraction from subpar material or a lack of curiosity on the part of the actor. Be wary of going loud simply for the sake of it is all I'm saying. We can't all be Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner, and there is more to their performance than Sonic Mass. Your fandom may underestimate them. Examine your fandom. Wow, they're so loud. Is this a pigeon? Is this acting? I was one of those people, by the way. College actor Jonathan relished every opportunity to go loud. Let's examine what Bill Russell has on offer for us throughout Who Will Love Me As I Am. Violet sings, quote, Like a fish plucked from the ocean, tossed into a foreign stream. Always knew that I was different, often fled into a dream. I ignored the raging current. Right against the tide I swam, but I floated with the question, who will love me as I am? Quote, you know how you're a fish plucked out of the ocean, you get tossed into a foreign stream, so you flee, you flee into a dream like a fish would. All right, so it's not the best metaphor, nah, nor, nor is it even a decent one, but there are worse comparisons to be made, I suppose. Like this one, for instance, from the very same song. Daisy sings, like an odd exotic creature on display inside a zoo. Quote, unquote, Daisy, my dear, you worked for a sideshow, a literal human zoo. We could stand to be less on point, methinks. You know, being in a sideshow is a lot like being in a zoo. That's because they're the same thing. The same thing. Ah, Jerry. An obvious connection I tried so hard to hide Couldn't even say it to myself An obvious connection I tried to push aside Into a corner on the darkest shelf We'll never be alone And my feelings can't be shown So I try to imagine and replay All the things I'll never get to say You're wrapped up with another Tangled and entwined I invent a separation 
In the private conversation in my mind I resolve to say it all Then I hem and haw and stall For how could I come clean nor confide Someone else is always at your side I want, I want, I want to tell you I want, I want to get you alone I need, I need, I need to tell you I want you for my own If we could steal a moment so inclined to accept an invitation to the private conversation in my mind. Terry would like us to believe he's been in denial when it comes to falling in love with Daisy, but I like to think he never actually understood the definition of conjoined until just now because he's stupid. Oh, crap. <laughs> so they're like stuck together? <laughs> Is it possible I'm really this stupid? How did I never notice that? No, 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 that's not possible. I'm not that stupid. No, I've just been in ah denial. Yeah, that's it. Love made me... Deaf, no, blind, God, I really am stupid, but no one can know. I want, I want. If you found the clip of private conversation we played for you to be a, a smidge tiresome, try listening to all seven minutes of it. Seven unholy minutes, I want, I want. Yeah, 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 you want, you want. Here's an idea, jerk off already. You should be loved. By someone who knows you Wants you to blossom Always is true You should be cherished Like the first sign of springtime You should be loved You should be loved With constant devotion Heart-pounding passion Flooding you you should be treasured like a ruby or a diamond. You should be loved in the way I love you.
that I'm saying. I am in love with you. Oh, Jake. Oh, no. I never thought, never felt what I felt. I never knew. Well, now you do. I thought Norm Lewis was unbeatable. I thought he could spin any pile of straw into gold. I really did. Alas, this is not the case. You should be loved is too heavy to be elevated, too innately repetitive and maudlin to be made interesting. It rejects the touch of a sensitive performer like Norm Lewis, preferring instead to bowl him over along with everyone on stage and in the audience. It's never a good sign when a song compels me to step into the scene and shout, all right, enough, be quiet. The neighbors are filing noise complaints. I will not be playing any audio from the Tunnel of Love sequence today. You're welcome. In lieu of audio, I will provide a play-by-play -play of what you're missing. One, Violet is ferociously horny, and she will not shut up about it. Well, Daisy is really horny, too. They're both really horny. Two, Buddy doesn't know how to please Violet because, say it with me, but he's coded as gay. He's gay. Three, Terry sings the following in regards to Daisy. These are real Bill Russell lyrics. Quote, I had planned to keep the temperature cool. She's raising my Fahrenheit. Quote, bleh, no, bad, gross, why? Number four, we get yet another water metaphor. I need, I need, I need to properly interrogate the surplus of water metaphors inside show. And I will later. But if you have to leave right now before that moment comes, uh, just know that no one inside show can stop talking about or invoking water. It's deranged. You might be wondering, was Tunnel of Love retained for the 2014 Broadway revival? No, it was not. They wisely chose to remove the entire sequence. What have we done? Learned the truth. Closed a door. Opened more. I'm scared, Daisy. Of what? Being alone. But you're not, you never have been. If we stood on our tiptoes, we could peek over the sill. And once in a while, we would see a girl slowly walking up the hill. And we'd think, what a sad situation to be outside on your own. Through the town with no playmate to go through life all alone. I will never leave you. I will never go away. We were meant to share each moment. Beside you is where. Into the night, I am filled with your. Soul. 
Assigning Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner the task of performing I Will Never Leave You at the Tonys was a no-brainer. Their historic joint nomination demanded nothing less than Sideshow's 11 o'clock number. A big moment calls for a big crowd pleaser. But even if you were to set that obvious assessment aside, what else is there to choose from exactly? Violet and Daisy have a lot of duets peppered throughout this musical, but none of them compare to this one, a fun, sugar-soaked jawbreaker that leaves you dumbstruck and buzzing and bored. Boy, oh boy, is this thing ever loud. I know I said that it's fun, and it is. But the erratic delivery of, okay, I'll say it just plainly. I, I will speak plainly. The phrase is, we were meant to share each moment. But this is sort of what you wind up getting with these two when they sing this phrase. We were meant to share each moment. Uh, that's a particularly hollow moment from an acting perspective. Why are we tearing our hair out a la Euripides' Medea? Why? This is supposed to be joyful and tender, not manic or erratic. I suppose I am of two minds when it comes to the Ripley Skinner performance. On the, on the one hand, I am not above rising to my feet in the face of sheer volume. Is this a pigeon? On the other hand, this, it's not acting. This ain't acting. It ain't. That's all I have to say regarding the score for Sideshow. We now hand it over to our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Masturbate. Lipshits. Pop. Six. Squish. Ah. Masturbate. Lipshits. And now, the six merry murderesses of the Cook County Jail in their rendition of The Cell Block Tango. How people have these little habits that get you down. Like Bernie. Bernie liked to drink coffee. No, not drink. Slap! 
So I came home this one day, and I'm really irritated. And I'm looking for a little bit of sympathy. And there's Bernie lying on the couch watching TV and drinking coffee. No, not drinking, slurping. So I said to him, I said, Bernie, you slurp that coffee one more time. And he did. So I took the shotgun off the wall and I fired two warning shots into his head. Final thoughts regarding Sideshow. Well, let me take this time to provide a breakdown of every water metaphor in Sideshow. I told you I would do it. From the song, Feelings You've Got to Hide. Quote, this wave will wash out with the tide. Quote, from the song, When I'm By Your Side. Quote, we're an unusual duo. Don't always swim with the tide. But who needs a boat? I'm always afloat when I'm by your side. Quote, uh, please note, I'm fine with including water metaphors in diegetic vaudeville routines. Those are meant to be derivative flights of fancy, so who cares, really? Back to the list. From the song, Who Will Love Me As I Am? This one will sound familiar. Quote, Like a fish plucked from the ocean, tossed into a foreign stream, always knew that I was different, often fled into a dream. You know, like you do when you're a fish. I ignored the raging current right against the tide. I swam, but I floated with the question, Who will love me as I am? Quote, from the song, You Should Be Loved. Quote, all through the years, I've held oceans inside, held back the tears and the waves and the tide. The dam had to burst and the currents collide with a flood of emotion I can no longer hide. Quote, that's tide reference number four. The fourth reference to tide from the song You Should Be Loved. Uh, quote, we should be close as stars are to heaven, shoreline to ocean, birds to the blue. Quote, and finally from the song Tunnel of Love. Quote, I think I might sink, edging close to the brink of a dangerous steep waterfall. Quote, if Bill Russell is legitimately obsessed with water and this pattern was intentional, fine, but it's baffling no matter how you spin it. Wicked contains some pretty terrible metaphors, Jonathan, uh, like a seed dropped by a skybird halfway through the wood. Huh? I hear you, and we need to move on, but also put five more bird metaphors into Wicked, and then we'll talk, all right? So in 1998, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was The Lion King, and the additional nominees that season were The Scarlet Pimpernel and Ragtime. The Scarlet Pimpernel deserved to win Best Musical. That's a very subjective... <laughs> I understand if people disagree with that, but that's that's just my opinion. And I think Sideshow should have never been nominated for Best Musical in the first place. Let's replace it with, uh, well, what are my options? The Cape Man, written by Paul Simon and Derek Walcott. 68 performances, okay. High Society, uh, Cole Porter, Susan Birkenhead, and Arthur Cobit. 144 performances. Triumph of Love, okay, my college did that. 
I remember watching that. Uh, Jeffrey Stock, Susan Birkenhead, hello again, and James Magruder, 85 performances. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to this. We are gonna replace it with something. Let's go with the Cole Porter musical, High Society. That sounds classy enough, I suppose. But hey, you know what? We have talked about every show from this set of nominees, which means it's time to hear from a very special, very green friend. Shrek, take it away, my friend! Why, it's me, Shrek! That's right, rising out of the green goopy muck, the slime. Oh yeah, it's like I'm from the film Platoon. But instead of coming to harm ya, I've come to entertain ya. It's me, Shrekin. Oh, who's that coming up behind me out of the slime and the slick? Oh, it's my donkey friend, Donkey. Oh, that's right, Donkey. He's a bit slick for a few other reasons, if you know what I mean. Oh, he's ready for it. <laughs> so let's get this, let's get this show on the road. What are my options? Because, as we all know, I have to put one of these shows into my belly. Get in my belly, is what I will say to one of these shows. The Lion King! I'm not going to be, no, I'm not going to be eating any lions today. No, thank you. I'm not one of those white Republican conservative fuck with socks who gets, you know, caught on camera hunting lions. No. Shrek is a progressive and very sexual being. Oh, baby. I left a little bit of a rosebud back there for you, donkey. So, no to the Lion King, and no to Sideshow. Don't you think these people have been through enough? I don't want to mash on their skulls. No, thank you. Live your lives. Live your lives, Sideshow attractions. And uh, Ragtime, first of all, there are way too many people in Ragtime. That's like a company of, what, 70 to 90? Uh, even Shrek can't have that much room in his belly. Could he? Oh, no, I'm not going with Ragtime. I already knew what I wanted to say before I got here, and it's the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, let me nibble on that foppish pimpernel. I'll use this Peter Pan collar as a napkin. Oh, he'll be protesting the entire time. Oh, may we, monsieur, may we, monsieur. Quiet, get in my belly. <laughs> All right, Donkey and I have to go meet with Gingy and Pinocchio for a fucking second foursome. Oh, it's going to be real fucking nuts. Pinocchio, oh, he's so vanilla, but I'm going to teach him a few things, eh? Don't get, don't get, don't get jealous already. We're not even there yet. Come on, a foursome, it'll be fun. All right, I got to go, Jonathan. Have fun with your patty and your Benny and your listeners. And remember, I'll be back again when you complete a set of nominees. My voice is getting fucking nuts. Fucking nuts, donkey! Back into the slime we go! Yes, we're right with the slime!
Thank you very much, Shrek. Now, as I have said in the lead-up to this, our 150th episode, we really should uh, clap ourselves on the back and congratulate ourselves for this milestone, 150 episodes. That is definitely not nothing. And in the lead-up to this episode, I promised that I would take another look at our show ranking and totally do it from scratch, revamp the whole thing, and relay the results to you here. As a reminder, you can find this ranking by going to Patreon patreon.com slash musicalmanpod and accessing our link tree. The link tree is in a pinned post right at the top of that Patreon page. It's just that simple. Oh, uh, use the link tree. Go to our spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet. And the second tab is where you'll find this ranking. Now, we of course have to begin with The Phantom Zone. These are the shows that I could not rank because they either did not have cast albums or generally there simply wasn't enough information for me to go on. It would not have been fair for me to rank these shows against all of the other uh, subjects of the podcast. So The Phantom Zone contains the following shows. Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters, Merlin, After Midnight, and Supposed to Die a Natural Death, Cyrano the Musical, and La Plume de Maton. Now that we've described and unpacked The Phantom Zone, I'm going to start at the bottom of our official ranking and go all the way up to the top. 142, The Lieutenant. 141, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. 140, Swinging on a Star. 139, Take Me Along. 138, I Do, I Do. 137, I Love My my wife. 136, Irma Laduce. 135, Leader of the Pack. 134, Miss Saigon. 133, Starmites. 132, A Christmas Story, The Musical. 131, Starlight Express. 130, Leap of Faith. 129, School of Rock. 128, Swing. 127, Groundhog Day. 126, Tootsie. 125, The Wedding Singer. 124, Bubbling Brown Sugar. 123, Golden Boy. 122, The Happy Time. 121, Avenue Q. 20, The Tap Dance Kid, 119, Sugar, 118, Carnival, 117, Sugar Babies, 116, Jamaica, 115, Monty Python's Spamalot, 114, Kismet, 113, Hair, 112, Big River, 111, Crazy for You, 110, Bring It On, The Musical, 109, Nice Work If You Can Get It, 108, Mean Girls, 107, Xanadu, 106, Next to Normal, 105, The Book of Mormon, 104, Meet Me in St. Louis, 103, Blues in the Night, 102, Ain't Too Proud, 101, Milk and Honey, 100, Juan Darian, A Carnival Mass, 99, Oliver, 98, Cats, 97, Shrek the Musical, Shrek, 96, Memphis, 95, The Goodbye Girl, 94, Pump Boys and Dinettes, 93, On the 20th Century, 92, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, 91, Me and My Girl, number 90, Dear Evan Hansen, 89, Sideshow, Hello, 88, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, 87, Pacific Overtures, 86, SpongeBob SquarePants, 85, A Year with Frog and Toad, 84, Raisin, 83, moving out. 82, Once. 81, Jelly's Last Jam. 80, Kinky Boots. 79, Grind. 78, South Pacific. 77, An American in Paris. 76, The Pajama Game. 75, The Phantom of the Opera. 74, The Lion King. 73, Ragtime. 72, Les Miserables. 71, The Wild Party. 70, Once on the Silent. How are you doing? I'm almost out of breath. Let's keep going. 69, The Rothschilds. 68, City of Angels. 67, Applause. 66, 
66, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. 65, Thoroughly Modern Millie. 64, She Loves Me. 63, Mame. 62, Little Me. 61, Side by Side by Sondheim. 60, Bring in Denoise, Bring in Defunk. 59, Bells Are Ringin', 58, Sunset Boulevard, 57, 1776, 56, Steel Pier, 55, Serafina, 54, Amore, 53, Passing Strange, 52, Rags, 51, The Drowsy Chaperone, 56, 49, No Strings, 48, Come From Away, 47, Natasha, Pierre, and The Great Comet of 1812, 46, Bright Star, 45, The Will Rogers Follies, 44, Rent, 43, Fun Home, 42, The Band's Visit, 41, Waitress, 40, Hamilton, 39, Grey Gardens, 38, Damn Yankees, 37, Ain't Misbehavin', 36, Avita, 35, The Most Happy Fella, 34, Kiss Me Kate, 33, Man of La Mancha, 32, The Scarlet Pimpernel, 31, Hadestown, 30, Kiss of the Spider Woman, 29, the Mystery of Edwin Drood, 28, Hairspray, 27, Woman of the Year, 26, Mac and Mabel, 25, The Color Purple, 24, 9, 23, Urinetown, 22, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, 21, The Producers, 20, Into the Woods, 19, Sweet Charity, 18, The Sound of Music, Wicked is at 17, Funny Girl is 16, 15 is Candide, 14 is Caroline or Change, 13 is The Light in the Piazza, 12, Parade, 11, Grand Hotel, Here's the top 10. 10, Dream Girls. 9, Sunday in the Park with George. 8, Sweeney Todd. 7, Chicago. 6, Company. 5, Hello Dolly. 4, A Chorus Line. 3, Guys and Dolls. 2, Fiddler on the Roof. And reigning supreme at number 1, This Did Not Change, Gypsy at number 1. Oh, I followed through on my promise. But at what cost? Oh no. A few pieces of show-related ephemera for you. Let's start with Violet and Daisy Hilton's scene from Todd Browning's Freaks. Let's hear that. Well, well, well. Tomorrow night's the big night, eh, Daisy? Yes, the sister's getting married. And I'm thrilled to death. She thrills at anything. Oh, Roscoe's a good kid. She's only joking. She'll like him lots after she knows him better. Oh, that reminds me. Close your eyes, Violet. Go ahead, close them. What did I do? Pinch Daisy's arm. Well, what do you know about that? Oh, Daisy. Her master's voice is calling. Getting fresh, eh? Well, I don't like it one bit. Well, come on, come on. You'll have to hurry. We haven't much time. So you were fighting with that cheap clown, were you? No, I wasn't. All he was doing a trick with me. You shut up. I'm the man your sister, not you, who. I saw him getting familiar with you. Oh, come on, Daisy. Oh, no, you didn't. Don't. She's going to stay right here. No, she isn't. I got to go. Oh, boy. You're always using that for an excuse. For an excuse. For an alibi. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Now let's hear the song Never Say You'll Never Fall in Love from the 1952 box office flop Chained for Life. Never say you'll never fall in love. Never say you don't like dreaming of a cozy cottage, a garden too, and tiny feet. Never say you'll never be the kind 
sweetheart on your mind. The kind that say they don't fall for the hardest of all. So never say you'll never fall in love. As you can see, they were not exactly the best singers, not to be too rude about it. And finally, and this is our final piece of ephemera, composer Henry Krieger performs Why Haven't You Learned Yet from Added Attractions, live at 54 Below. I've been treated badly by folks both high and low Now I admit but sadly I expect it wherever I go No matter how you figure Counting by dozens or twelves Some folks' hatred just don't add up When they've been mistreated themselves anybody should know how it feels to be treated like dirt to be hurt how can you forget why haven't you learned yet I know you faced a lot of hardships people backed off in pride thought you'd learn that was evil but you knew wrong from right yeah, I can almost forgive the gentry Raised to fear those not of their set How can you refuse me entry? Why haven't you learned yet? If anyone has felt hatred's belt Stinging hard on the back Zing and smack What a harsh duet why haven't you learned yet? I haven't you learned I really liked that performance. It really took me aback. It reminded me of the sadder, more, I suppose, contemplative Randy Newman material, and it's a very nice, tender performance from Mr. Krieger. Now, to determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Four to Get Ready. Everyone ready? <laughs> then away we go. subject of the main feed was a 2002 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran on Broadway for 109 performances. This episode is going to be released on August 23rd. Mark your calendars. There's still a lot going on schedule-wise for us on either end. So, you know, we've got the Patreon to consider. I don't have to explain myself to you. You love me and I love you back. The name of that show is Sweet Smell of Success. Sweet smell of success. Yum, sweet smell of success is the next 
main feed subject. Go to patreon.com. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. We're running a little long. I'm very schwitzy. I just want to say a couple of things regarding our Patreon feed. As a reminder, I say this every every time we get together, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. We don't keep any of that money. It's redirected right to the Action Fund. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month, and normally I would break all of this down, what you get in each tier, but you can read all about it at patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. I do not want to leave out our verbal shoutouts, though. These are the people who donated at least one dollar a month or more via Patreon. If you want a verbal shoutout each and every time we get together, donate at least a dollar via Patreon. Caroline, Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month. Here's the only other thing I want to throw at you about this Patreon feed. We have a, a show, a special series at the $3 a month tier. It's ongoing. We're, we're producing new episodes all the time. It's known as TV VIP. This show is dedicated to TV musicals, musical television shows. We've talked about, what have we talked about? Schmigadoon, Central Park, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Up Here, Cop Rock, Little Voice, Rags to Riches, and our next episode, which drops August 16th, is going to be dedicated to Gallivant. Oh, Gallivant! If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. If you want to stream the show, you can certainly do that via Spotify, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. And hey, why not email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny all the way in the stage left studio, all the way out there in Chicago. Love you. Love you. Ah, thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. <laughs> you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Venetian, and good night. of the Tony-nominated revival The Sound of Music, several other companies have announced their projects next season. Clearasil brings you The Scarlet Pimple. <laughs> Polygrip presents A View from the Bridge. And Tampax brings you Ragtime. Ragtime. <laughs>